0: Welcome to the Founders Mentality, a startup podcast. My name is Josh Feedy. I will be your host on these shows. I've brought together some of my friends to discuss what it means to create a business, to take an idea and build your dreams. On this 12th episode of The Founder's Mentality, uh, we're speaking with Chris Carlisle of Gray Plant Moody. Chris is actually my personal lawyer. He's an incredible startup lawyer here in Minnesota, working at one of the oldest law firms in Minnesota. Can't wait to talk to him more. Hey, welcome to the founders mentality i'm josh Feedy. i'm super excited to introduce everybody to uh, my next guest today um this has been uh, an advisor to me for pretty much the entire two years that i've been building the company that i'm building right now and he is a tremendous resource for any of the local startups here In Minnesota and uh, I want to talk about kind of his experience um, from a legal perspective because this is a really important thing for any founder starting a business whether this is your first second or third business is making sure that you have the proper uh, legal resources in line so everybody please help me welcome Chris Carlisle. I'm gonna let him introduce himself and talk a little bit uh, about his past here so Chris welcome to the show
1: thanks a lot yeah it's great to be here absolutely Uh, So I'm Chris Carlisle. I'm at a law firm, Gray Plant Moody, which is a 175 lawyer firm in town, the oldest firm in in Minnesota. Is it really? For for, for what that's worth, for our for our technology (laughs) friends out there. Nice. Um, I have been practicing for 18 years. I've been at the same firm for that whole time. Wow. Uh, somehow that managed to work out. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty fun. Yeah, um, My focus and my practice's focus is emerging companies and technology businesses. So okay. um, really work with entrepreneurs of various stripes, mm-hmm. um, helping them succeed in business and life, trying to figure out how they set their business up, how they finance their business how they do whatever they need to do from a legal perspective to make sure things work the way they work right
0: right yeah. Yeah. so 18 years you've been doing this? Yes. When you started 18 years ago, what was your position? Did you know right from the get-go that you wanted to be involved in emerging technology and startups or where did you kind of start?
1: I, I didn't. So when you started a, a bigger law firm, you're yeah. sort of assigned to where you're assigned. <laughs> and I was assigned to the corporate group. Okay. And when I started practicing, I did a lot of work for a lot of bigger companies. So okay. I did a lot of work for Excel Energy. Okay. I did a lot of work for NRG, which used to have a big presence here. It doesn't yep. have a big presence here anymore. It's in New Jersey now. Um, and another one of the, the clients that I worked, did a lot of work with was Lawson Software. Okay. And okay. Um, Lawson was sort of a historical enterprise software company here in Minnesota, had a big mm-hmm. presence in, you know, still has a bit of a presence here in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and ended up being on their deal team. Okay. Um, this was you know, sort of the early 2000s, if you will. Yeah. And they were doing a lot of sort of uh, value acquisitions in Silicon Valley and in California. And so was doing a lot of due diligence on those deals and learned that sometimes companies were Finance through Series G, and sometimes <laughs> Series G was the only round that got any money. Um, and so that was sort of my first entree into sort of emerging company land. And then we 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 are my firm has a, a number of folks that did focused on emerging companies and yep. venture finance, yep. and eventually. Um, I migrated to that. I mean, okay. that's what I was interested in. That's what I, 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 you know, tried to sort of angle my career towards. And you know, law firms are big places, but you yeah. try to sort of work with the people you want to work with. And eventually, uh, my my practice focused exclusively on entrepreneurs.
0: Awesome. So, yeah. okay, so how long ago did that transition then take place?
1: So um, so I started at the firm. Um, I was a, a clerk, what we would call a summer associate, in the summer of 2000. Okay. Uh, for, for, uh, for those that are too young to remember, there was a tech boom and bust. Yes, in, there was. In late 1999, early 2000. Yep. So I was hired at the apex of that boom in the fall of 1998. <laughs> and by the time I got to the firm... Uh, the tech community was cratering and actually frankly you know we were entering into a recession there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of dark times at that point and there yeah. wasn't a ton of M&A or finance activity to speak of yeah. um, from then until about um, before the the second recession or the, the first one for a lot of your your audience right yeah um, Was sort of my evolution from the, from the, from the bigger companies into the, into the more emerging company space. And so, um, did a lot of private equity and venture work sort of in that kind of leading up to the, to the, to the, you know, 2008 and 2009 and Lehman Brothers, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and then, um, was really exclusively focused on it by the time, by, by 2010, yeah. by tw- 2010, 2011 or so. Okay.
0: Okay. So. And so I remember both of those uh, recessions. I'm old enough to have lived through both of them with you as well. Um, They were a lot of fun. The first one, um, I was too young for it to really uh, impact me in any uh, meaningful way. I was, uh, you know, I think just graduating high school uh, right around that time, starting the true workforce. The second one is when I actually launched my first business, which was um, a really crazy time to start a company. But it was actually like a year into that recession that I said, things are We really need something to shake things up here. We need something a little bit different. Tried something different. It was a lot of fun for a couple of years, and then it wasn't fun at all. Um, But regardless, one of the things that I learned going through that process was all of the things that I didn't know and all the things that I needed to learn before I ever ventured out and started another business, right? Yeah. One of those key things for me uh, was the importance in having uh, a lawyer in your court that can really help you through the legal pieces that I'm no expert in, and yeah. I don't have a desire to be an expert in. um i I network with a, a ton of startup founders in this town. i can't I can't even name one that nope, that's not true. I can name one that would say <laughs> that they have a legal expertise in their court. I can name yeah. one. Yeah. That's it, right? And so for me, um, the discussions started really early on with you, Um, even before I had raised any money, before I had even started developing the product, I started talking with you about, this is what I'm gonna be doing and these are the things I'm gonna need you for, trying to align myself with the best lawyer I could possibly get. Now, a lot of people listening to this are probably saying, Jeez Louise, Josh, you're like the most spoiled person in the world. Like you went out and you got a lawyer from like the oldest, most recognized (laughs) law firm in Minnesota. This can't be cheap. We will not discuss details of that. However, I will tell you this and I will tell any startup founder that's listening this, that bringing you on was the most impactful thing for my business because it gave my investors so much trust in the process Right. There were not as many questions being asked as I thought there would be, and we were able to do some things so far that I think have been pretty amazing um, for a company that's only been around as long as we have. Um, so I thank you for that, but for anyone listening, um, it's an incredible thing to have in your court. Now, yeah. when we're talking about um, startups, and maybe there's a difference between first-time founders or multiple founders, <clears throat> but maybe let's talk a little bit about first-time founders. Um, and do not mention any details obviously cause you yeah. can't, but first time founders, what are some of the, what are some of the early mistakes that you spend most of your time trying to guide first time founders through when they're, when they're launching their business and maybe, um, getting their vendor contracts together or just starting to raise money or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. So, uh, a, cu- a couple of things. I mean, uh, number one, I think there is a misconception out there that, you know, the early stage legal is going to be prohibitively expensive, whether it be Great Plain right. or somebody else. Yeah. And it's actually not true. I mean, we, yeah. you know, the, the, the nice thing over the course of my career that has happened in the startup community is that there's been a lot of standardization. There's yes. been a lot of... Uh, form sets with folks like Y Combinator coming out and, you know, sort of frankly institutionalizing how financing happens, how formation happens. Um, Some West Coast law firms, you know, sort of contributing to that and creating form sets and, you know, really standardizing the product. So it's not, okay, if I go to lawyer A, I'm going to get, you know, $30,000 worth of Monkey business, and if I go to lawyer B, I'm going to get five thousand dollars worth of monkey business. I think if you go to somebody that practices in the starting startup space in the emerging company space, yeah. I think the good news is, if you get one of those folks, you're going to get something. You're going to get a consistent product, and you're going to get a consistent price point, whether it be yeah. at a firm like ours or whether it be a two-person you know startup-focused shop.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, some of the things to to think about and really focus on when you're starting. So. I I see a lot of startups um, that form the company on their own Mm -hmm. and don't spend any time with a lawyer or with themselves trying to figure out what the relationship is going to be amongst the founders. Um, In other words, what's going to be the allocation of equity between the founders? Um, And then I'm a huge, huge proponent of this. You have to have vesting of some stripe, yes, and figuring out what that vesting looks like um, relative to the different founders and the different founder contributions. And yes. there's many, 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 many permutations on that, depending on how many founders you have, what they're contributing, how much time and energy and effort they're putting into the business. Yeah. So, um, but the the key concept for for your listeners to take away is if somebody if we there's four founders and they they start you know building a business and one of those founders decides well geez you know, a year later, uh, my wife got pregnant, and I'm I'm just tired, and I want to go get a real job, or whatever, yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah. that their, their equity ultimately, or or a significant portion of their equity is going to come back to the business, so yeah. we can take that equity and give it to some, either give it to the existing founders, yeah. or give it to another founder, or or future employees where that are going to ultimately help control, help start the business, and help move it yeah. forward.
0: And I, I mean, I, I fully believe in that as well. And that is exactly how we structured my business yeah. as well, um, yeah. per your instruction. Yeah. And I think that it was uh, brilliant, right? So, um, you know, it, it really allows me to make sure that I'm, I always just have my foot on the gas, right? And you never know what's going to happen, right? I could get sideswiped any day now by one of the um, contractors that came on early that's helping me build my product who might just say, Look, other things in my life have taken off. I got I got a bolt. Yeah. Um, if I give up all that equity in the beginning without having any of that ramp up, right, then I can't pivot. I can't bring someone else on that's going to be enticed by equity because I can't give up any more equity right. at that point. Right. But additionally, I think just at its core, the most important thing is just having everything detailed before you start going, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the whole reason that a prenup exists, right? Like, let's just make sure that worst case scenario... We all agree right now, before we get too far into this, that this is what's going to happen. Right.
1: And timing, timing on the prenup analogy is a good one. Yeah. I mean, prime pr- uh, the timing is really important, right? The timing on getting your vesting together and figuring out what that relationship is and what that deal is, is not when you have your first... Financing term sheet, right? right? I mean, <laughs> right. not that it can't be worked through at that point. And sometimes it is yeah. But you you want to have those hard conversations with your co-founders at the beginning of the of mm-hmm. the of the company's Existence so yeah. that that, you know, things are kind of easier Yeah, when you're starting out um, the other thing that's pretty important on this sort of thing is and this is sort of a technical point but mm-hmm. Um, when we're starting a company, it doesn't have a lot of value for tax purposes, right. and we want to make sure that when we're doing these grants and we're figuring out what founders own and don't own, um, that they're having nominal tax value at the time that they that this equity is issued to them. Right, um, and that gets tougher um, as the company grows and as it as it increases in value, and when you get a term sheet for five million dollars pre you're all of a sudden you have a company that's got value and it's frankly too late to to file what are called 83b elections i'm not going to get into the technicalities (laughs) of it but the gist of it is everybody's falling asleep yes taking taking (laughs) taking a nominal amount of tax into income versus taking a lot of tax into income so that's something we really want to make sure we're getting right at the front end of things
0: okay so one of the other things that you mentioned in the beginning there that i see a lot, and you're totally right, and I'm so glad you brought this up. There are so many forms that exist out there already to just help kind of speed up this whole process of getting your business uh, as an entity, right? Legally, getting everything drafted up. I see a lot of startups that say exactly what you just said. Um, We're gonna save money, we're not gonna spend money on a lawyer because in the beginning, all we really need are these contractor agreements. All we need to do is, you know, get our business properly assembled, do all this stuff. We can do this ourselves, What are some of the pitfalls? And and I'm not trying to scare anyone away from doing that. This is not an advertorial for like working with a big law firm by any means. But what are some of the pitfalls that you've seen of of companies that have started that way, kind of doing it themselves?
1: I think it's, um, you know, we're all trying to lever the expertise mm-hmm. of of our of ourselves and of others. Yeah. And I think there's some great resources out there. And I love it when founders come to me with, you know, having, you know, Redfeld Thoughts or AVC.com and right. have really done their homework on what's out, out there in the community. Yep. I mean, I think that's great. Um, but when you're using LegalZoom or when you're using, you know, the Cooligo form set, yep. Um, there's lots of choices that sort of are brought brought along the way and I think um, it can be too easy to sort of say, okay, I'll click, 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 we'll right. just, just sort of figure that out. Right. And then we, we wake up later and we haven't done what we were supposed to do or again we have a we've've we've, we've negotiated something or we haven't really carefully looked at the the deal that we've negotiated right um, and we have we don't have somebody I mean it m- may sound pretty simple but just frankly reading and rereading the documents to make sure we've got the deal that was ultimately struck yeah and yeah the founders I mean that's not their business I mean their business isn't to read you know frankly boring legal documents to right. figure out whether they say what they're supposed to say um, right and not the There's anything particularly magic to it. There isn't. Sure. But at the same time, um having that having that value when you're really trying to like let's be honest, we're trying to build something that's going to go beyond ourselves. Yeah. And if we're successful, um, you know, there's gonna be a lot of wealth creation there, and so think about it that way in the sense of this is this is really important stuff if we are successful if we're not successful maybe it's not but that's not what you're in that's not why you're starting a company is to not be successful you're starting it to be successful (laughs) right well Uh, and kind of the way
0: i broke it down for myself and i don't know if this will help any of the listeners as well but um so i'm building a tech product right and so when you're building a tech product you have your backlog of future development releases, right? Yeah. And you plan those out very strategically, right? Because you can't launch one thing without considering how that's gonna impact things that are kind of come down the road. If you have people using your product, you can't make this huge change and blow everything up and right. say, sorry, guys, start from scratch. It right. doesn't work that way. And that was kind of my fear when I first started thinking, and you know, I'll admit, and my first thought was I'm just going to go online and find everything I need and do these forms myself. But the problem with that is that I'm not an expert and I couldn't see what the future of this decision might be. And I think that that's where there was a lot of value in working with you and your team was having people that could break down for me okay josh yes you can do that but five years from now if this happens or this happens or this happens then that was the wrong decision and what we should probably do is this because in three years this is going to turn into this and this is where it's going to make the most sense those are things if you're not an expert if that's not what you do every single day you're not going to know that
1: well and just like in the technology world the, the, the universe changes. Right. And so when I started practicing law, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of capital formation was done by, you know, registered broker dealers and we would, we would do these things called private placement memorandums Mm -hmm. and we'd spend a lot of money on those Mm -hmm. and we would, you know, they were very, very fancy. And we would then those brokers would go out and into the world and sell your shares and, you know, hopefully it was successful. Oftentimes it was not, Um, But there was a lot of upfront cost to that and and that created a lot of Trepidation amongst folks that yeah. okay, well, this is not really the way to go. Yeah. Um, fortunately for for me and the community and everybody else, yeah. um, we moved away from that, mm-hmm. um, and now the the documentation has gotten a lot simpler, and a lot more straightforward. But it's it's also changing and iterating, yeah. and a lot of a lot of th- a lot of the times, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a document set that investors and other people are going to look at mm-hmm. and go, okay. They know what they're doing, yep. it's, everything's ticked and tied, we're, yep. we're comfortable, we know what the founders' relationship are with each other, we know what the founders' relationship are gonna be with us, Yep. and everything is sort of, you know, check the box, if yeah. you will. Absolutely,
0: um, yeah. I mean, it has helped me in, in raising money, right? One of the yeah. number one questions that I get uh, from startups here in Minnesota is, can I get some advice around raising money? Yep. And honestly, the first <laughs> thing I tell them is get a good lawyer. Right. Because uh, for me, I know I mean, there's obviously I'm not discrediting any of the work that I've put in to raising the funds. But at the end of the day, uh, when you're talking about collecting a large check from an individual, when you tell them that the person that's helped me craft this is an expert, they know what they're doing. I'm just following their instructions and I put them in contact with you every single time it's been a no-brainer it's been a simple 15-minute conversation to just go through the forms with you real quickly Um, in our recent seed round we even put in the ability for the investors to put the documents in front of their own lawyers and Mm -hmm. we were gonna refund them for the time on that not a single one of my investors even put this in front of their own legal team because they felt so comfortable with you right we didn't pull a fast one by any means it's just that's how comfortable they were in the situation and it was great, right? So I think all that's completely invaluable. Okay, so another thing that I want to talk to you about, first I wanted to ask you, because I've never asked you this, um, do you focus solely in Minnesota or do you have startups in Silicon Valley or outside of Minnesota that you're yeah, working with? Yeah, great
1: question. So we're, we're pretty much focused in the upper Midwest. So okay. we have clients, you know, pretty active client bases in Wisconsin, North and South Dakota, okay. Iowa, um, it really kind of depends on where the um, where the company goes, right? Yeah. I mean, we've yeah. had we've had startups that have started here, yep. and then for whatever reason, they got funding in Silicon Valley, or and they they've moved their offices, they've moved a part of their offices there, and we've we've maintained the relationship. So things like that. Okay. Um, I do do some investor side work as well, and sometimes yep. we will. Post investment, we'll be engaged by counsel, or yep. we'll be engaged as company counsel, and so we've got some clients that sort of are far afield, you know, Texas and Florida and what have you yeah. that way. But we're really, um, we're really focused in the Upper Midwest. But okay. but, but that said, um, this is again the nice thing about startup work is that yep. there's this this. Um, there's an institutionalization of it all right and and again you know so you mentioned your your seed round i mean your seed round was done with the series seed form set which is uh, produced by fenwick and west uh, in silicon valley and has really kind of become the gold standard for that type of financing so you know i i'm i appreciate that folks are get comfort that i represent you and represent folks and that i've kind of done things the right way but i think it's also a bit of a Okay, well, this is a pretty standard seed deal. We know what yep. it looks like we know the rights we're getting. Yep. Um, it's right down the middle of the fairway. Yep. Fair to the fair to the entrepreneurs. Fair to the investors. Yep. Um, yep. You know, we want to minimize the friction with investors as much as we can because it's a partnership. It's not a, as much as we possibly can, we don't want to make it adversarial.
0: Well, okay, so that, that might be true, but let's go back to my precede yep. where we actually structured the, the deal with the safe, right? So mm-hmm. that was Y Combinator. what is that five maybe six years old at this point that document that is not the most common document for raising funds right now and even that was flawless right so i mean yes it's already documented this is how it looks this is how it goes but it's not something that a lot of the investors especially in minnesota are comfortable with i would say on the coast from what i've heard a lot of them are very familiar and very comfortable just hasn't really picked up as much here yeah um Okay, so along those lines, before
1: you go there, just real quickly, I mean, on on, so people hear the the phrase "safe." It stands Mm -hmm. for a simple agreement for future equity. Right. It's sort of a corollary to a convertible note. Oftentimes, early stage companies will raise their first capital in a convertible note or a safe. They're really kind of the same thing, just different, a little bit different legally, um, and they essentially convert into the next financing, whatever whatever that. Is, yep. Um, safes are a, um, they're a bit of a different instrument. They don't quite, they don't have the features of a note. Sometimes investors, particularly in the Midwest, want to see a note because they know what a note is. <laughs> right. and they, it's very clear what a note is and we're <laughs> dead and at least we're dead in the first instance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes there's a bit of an education process with investors, depending on how sophisticated they are, yeah. in terms of what a safe is yeah. and, how, and what the differences are. But they really sort of act in the same, same way, which is to essentially be a placeholder so we can not get into an argument over what the company's worth today. We yeah. can punt that down the road a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, already in the first 25 minutes, you've given away at least at least a normal hour's worth of advice. So thank you. No, know, and you cannot give away any advice. So that's not what you're doing. No, I'm kidding. Um, But okay, so this is great. We're, we're getting close to the end of this one. But one of the things that I wanted to kind of dive into, knowing that you, you're really focusing in Minnesota, that's exciting because I've seen the startup space in Minnesota change dramatically in yeah. the last 10 years. And that's, that's the bulk of when you've really been focused on the yeah. startup scene. So- I mean, what are some of the exciting things that you've been seeing over the last 10 years happening in Minnesota in the startup scene?
1: I think the biggest thing that's happened, and this is not just in Minnesota, but across the country and just in technology generally, is that the costs of building a technology business have gone down pretty dramatically. Mm -hmm. And so what that's meant for the community is that uh, founders that have an, a great idea and a great principle mm-hmm. can get going on their business with a lot less capital, yeah. and that means that they can get traction a lot earlier and move yeah. the ball forward a lot earlier with the product and with customers yeah. without a ton of a ton of money. Yeah, um, when I started. You're doing these angel rounds of you know two million dollars, three million dollars, Um, and we just we really don't do that anymore. We do, you know, founder, you know, friends, family, and fool rounds of you know a couple to couple hundred thousand to maybe half a million dollars, um, and seed deals in the half a million to million and a half maybe, Um, and that's really allowed. I think the community to thrive, and it's allowed technology communities around the country to thrive, yeah. and that's been really exciting.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I love that. I love that. No, and and Thompson, uh, I had Thompson on, yeah. um, who's one of my favorite local startup founders, right? Yeah, and that's one of the things that we spoke about as well, right? So. Um, you're talking about you don't need to raise as much as you used to. Thompson's point was you don't even have to raise if you don't want to. Yeah. I mean, especially early on, you know, you can really you can get a lot done with open source software these days if you're working in a technology space uh, without even bringing in any money and really get at least get the validation from your customers that this is gonna move forward properly. Yeah. Um, so I mean, are you seeing what are, tell me the mix. When, are you seeing a lot of people coming to you? Um, that have done sort of that, where they've kind of put together something utilizing open source softwares and maybe gotten it to a viable product and then they're trying to fundraise? Or are you still seeing a lot of people coming very early on with just the idea that are looking for fundraising at that point?
1: Well, I I think the biggest question in trying to help early stage clients develop their finance strategy is really about what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to hit a grand slam home run? Is it a giant market that we are, you know, really want to go after and it's really about first to market and, you know, it's going to be about, you know, run, run, run. Or is it going to be more of a slow burn? And um, I want to maintain as much of the equity as I can. It may not be as big of a business, not a billion dollar idea. It's a, 20 million or 30 million dollar idea still a great idea yeah um but just it's a different it fits in a different mold and i think that's the if if it's really about that and the kind of business you you want to grow and how quickly does that business need
0: to grow yeah no i love that thank you so much for being on the podcast here chris i i hope that everybody listening found value in that i mean there was a lot of really great information in there as far as structuring and the different documentation that's out there and i would just Again, just reiterate that the most critical, one of the most critical things that I did was find a great lawyer early on. I think that everybody should have that. Um, You've been tremendous as far as. Um, responding to even text messages when I have quick questions, right? Um, And I haven't seen the response to text messages on my invoices, so I believe that you're just (laughs) letting me have those ones. That's a secret. And I appreciate that one. Um, I try to keep them to a minimum. But every once in a while when you're in the middle of a deal, you just, something comes up and you have to ask a quick question and and not having to wait till the weekend is over for a startup founder is really important because we're all working weekends as well, right? Um, mm-hmm. the other thing I would say is thank you so much for the support that you give to the entire startup ecosystem. One of the big things that I did when I started this business was I said, I want to support the kind of companies that support what I support, right? Mm-hmm. So I went with Gray Plant Moody for legal source resources, because you were at a lot of the startup events that I was going to, you personally were there. Um, it's the same reason I went with flagship bank, right? Andy mm-hmm. Shornack of flagship bank was at every startup event that I was going to, right? Um, It wasn't the most convenient bank for me as far as proximity to my house, but it was the best bank for me as far as they get it, they understand that I'm a startup, they wanna be a part of this and they're excited about it, right? I think that's really, really important. So, okay, moving forward here, Um, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, if they're either looking, uh, for a new lawyer or they're looking for their first lawyer, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Email, LinkedIn, any of the
1: above. I mean, uh, you can find me on our website, which is gpmlaw.com. You can text me, you can email me. I mean, I get on LinkedIn, I get a lot of LinkedIn contacts, whatever, whatever works.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And then... Thank you so much again. I mean, I got to cut this one off because we're at the 30-minute, that's what we do. We try to keep it under 30 minutes every time. No, but I really appreciate this, and maybe we're going to have to have you come back. If anybody um, has any follow-up questions that I didn't ask that's really just burning, right, maybe we'll have you back in like six months or something. We can compile those, and we can just answer those questions as well, because I'd love to have you back on. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, But regardless, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Um, We'll be uh, talking again in a couple weeks. We release these episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month, so we'll talk to you guys very soon, and our next guest is is going to be a Rally Registry, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, and just a little heads up, we're gonna take a little bit of a break here. I'm gonna take an additional uh, two weeks in between our next episode because I'm moving into a new space. I need to get set up properly before I start <laughs> recording these. So give me a little bit of time here. Our next episode will actually be a little bit delayed, but that's fine. It'll be Rally Registry and it'll be a ton of fun. But thanks again, Chris, and have a great day, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Josh. Bye-bye. So what do you think? Pretty good, right? We have plenty of other episodes on our website at thefoundersmentality.com. And don't worry, you don't only have to listen to these episodes. If you prefer to watch a video, we do videotape every single episode and post them every other week on our website. Again, the web address is thefoundersmentality.com. This has been Josh Feedy. It's been an honor bringing this information and these guests to you, and I hope you continue listening. Don't forget to give us a share. Talk to you next time. Bye.